Welcome back to another Redeeming Grace interview podcast. In this podcast, I have the special opportunity to interview Pastor Tim Stevens at Fairview Baptist in Calgary, Alberta. And we are talking about what is a family integrated church and how does that play itself out practically in the life of the local church. All right. Well, welcome back to another um, podcast. And today I'm very just uh, blessed and encouraged to have uh, with me Pastor Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church in uh, Calgary. And uh, I'm Aaron Hale, a pastor in Redeeming Grace Bible Church in Fairview, Alberta. I know it's a bit confusing. I'm in the town of Fairview in northern Alberta. Tim pastors at Fairview Baptist, which is in Calgary. Uh, so I know uh, people sometimes get that confused. And actually, when when you were um, jailed, Pastor Tim, we had a lot of calls to the Fairview RCMP station here because people were thinking you were in, in Fairview. <laughs> and so they were saying their phone was overwhelmed with, uh, with people calling and, and upset about what was happening. So um, I, was, I was glad people were making some noise. But anyways, um, yeah, if you don't mind just to share a little bit about... Uh, who you are and and uh, what what you're doing there in Calgary? Sure. Well, I I appreciate being able to have this conversation with you this afternoon, Aaron. And I've been a pastor at Fairview Baptist in Calgary since January 2014, and just been so richly blessed. And I feel like I'm I'm just got started, even though it's 10 years in the ministry, and it's been a great privilege and responsibility. And it's my um, desire, especially you know, it's transpired the last few years to see churches and men just equipped up and and uh, better capable to handle the word, lead their church. And so I'm, I'm thankful. And just a bit of our history of where Fairview is from, there's a community in Calgary that is the community of Fairview, which is what our church gets its namesake. We're no longer in that same community, but mm-hmm. we uh, kept that name to, to yeah. trace back our historical roots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, and I know you have... Um... Is it seven children as well? Or eight children actually. Eight, eight children, children, sorry. Yeah. Oldest is fifteen, youngest is three, four boys, four girls, and uh homeschooler. Yeah. And family family integrated church. So we were we have a lot of children in our congregation and uh, so certainly familiar with the dynamics around children and discipleship yeah. and things like that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I um yeah, really respect you living out your convictions in regards to family. And, and that kind of leads me to what I want to just uh, interview a little bit about today. Um, I know as a church, we also would, would identify as a family integrated church. And so we're just kind of wrestling through a bit of what that practically um, looks like. It's it's quite a uh, uncommon conviction for a church to have it seems in, in North America anyways not that they don't exist but that's uh yeah not not as common as we'd like and so maybe if you don't mind Tim just to give us a, a quick definition of uh, what what is a family integrated church what does that mean yeah I think the term can mean different things to different people um, so mm-hmm. what I what I see is certainly the, the biblical model is that the church is a community of believers of all ages, all ethnicities, 
Uh, it's we're, we're gathered together based upon Christ and mm-hmm. the proclamation of the gospel, the worship of Christ. And so we want um, everyone to be welcome to come and gather. And so we don't mm-hmm. feel like our worship should be segregated based upon age or any other demographic. You know, mm-hmm. so we shouldn't have a, a cowboy church or, you know, the black right. church and the white church. You know, the mm-hmm. mechanics church is like, no, no, let's let's have the church. And we're all you know <laughs> yeah. together, including including children. I mean, children are a vital part of the body. They should mm-hmm. feel like they are included. And uh, so I would say a family integrated model. This means that there's no age segregation in terms of a Sunday school during the worship. Um, some churches, you know, our church, we don't have, we don't have a nursery. So we don't, we don't have anything happening besides when, when we're worshiping. Christ, mm-hmm. everyone yeah. is expected to come. That's what we mean by it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> in my kind of trek through the Bible um, this year in Nehemiah twelve forty three, we read, um, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And it's kind of that picture, like you say, of just of the fathers and the mothers, children, grandparents, um, all worshiping together in, in the corporate body. And it's it's truly a, a beautiful thing to, to be a part of. Um, so I guess um, we kind of see that in the, in the Old Testament. And if someone was to ask you, well, you know, biblically, how would you defend uh, this, this model of, of doing church? If someone was coming and kind of pushing yeah. back and saying, well, I think we should do the segregated uh, model. Yeah. I think we need to start, start with our, our philosophy of, of worship or how we ought to function as a church. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, the regular principle, which we would subscribe to, which says, you know, we ought to worship in the manner which God has prescribed and we don't have liberty mm-hmm. to invent our own ways of worshiping God. It's so clear in the Old Testament how, mm-hmm. how God was jealous for his worship and his way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't agree with the normative principle of worship by, well, whatever is not sinful, we can go ahead and do if it's helpful. Right. Uh, I think God right. is very particular about how we ought to be worshipped. And so we ought to look to the Bible and say the Bible is sufficient to tell us how God should be worshipped, and especially how he should be worshipped as a congregation. And then when you do that, you'll, you're, you're never going to find an example in Scripture of a segregated model of worship. You, you, just, mm-hmm. you just won't. You'll look for that in vain. Um, yeah. But when you look at both Old and New Testaments, you know you've already read from Ezra and Nehemiah there. But you know even when Joshua read the commandments of Moses in Joshua 8:35, it says the women, little ones, sojourners, the all assembly of Israel was there and listened to every single word <laughs> of what Moses mm-hmm. had said. You know, so that was yeah. that's a long worship service. All the kiddies there. Yeah. Uh, Second Chronicles twenty thirteen, it says all Judas stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. You know, so it's like this is this is the beginning of Israel, and then now Second Chronicles twenty. This is near the end, and it's the same pattern. You have the men, you have the women, you have the little ones, all, all gathered together to hear the word explained. Uh, mm-hmm. We see it in Jesus' life. You know, when we see that he was left in Jerusalem and they return, they find him in the temple area debating theology. 
Now, it, it wasn't a scandal that he was there because children were there in the temple. In fact, during the triumphal entry in Matthew 21, you have children who are there crying out Hosanna to the son of David. Yeah. And as the children cried out, the scribes and Pharisees were indignant. One of these children silenced. And then Jesus rebukes them. It says, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. Um, so, so you have children there in the temple praising. Of course, you have Jesus. You know, don't don't forbid the children to come to me. As he, he rebukes his disciples for trying to keep the children away. And he says, the children, you know, these are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, unless you become like a child. Uh, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, who is there listening? We have, you know, men, women, and children. And then who was it that brought the loaves and the fish to Jesus? It was a young boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Ephesians 6, children are addressed. Uh, children obey your parents in the Lord. You know, so that's an address in a letter read in public worship. Uh, same in First John 2, children are addressed there. And so it's, it's just so clear that children have always been a part of the, the family of faith from Old mm-hmm. to New Testament, and to exclude them from the worship would just be unthinkable uh, to, to anyone in biblical history. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful. It, it It's uh, so good to see that, like you say, the consistency from, from Old to New, and that it would be, um, the unusual thing would be for, for there to be a shift in, in how God calls his people to worship, right? And many today think, oh, that's so strange that the the children are, you know, in the service and, and um, the young and the old and the youth are there. But um, like you say, from a historical perspective, they would find many of the models today very unusual and very strange, likely. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And a good point, too, that, yeah, Paul writes and makes, you know, specific application to the the te- the, the children. And um, remind me of First John 2, he writes to, you, you men, he writes to the young men, to the old men, to the um, to, to all these various ages within the congregation that he's addressing. So it's assumed right. that they're all there to receive that instruction. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's the principle in Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 6, that parents are responsible to raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, so that duty cannot be handed off to the church. Right. Um, it's not handed off to some age-segregated program. You know, what we want in our churches is multi-generational faithfulness. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want a church where there's granddad and dad and grandson all there worshiping together from the same pew, worshiping the same God. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's what we want. That was the ideal of Israel. That's the pattern we see so emphasized in Scripture. And what we've seen the last, you know, number of decades or more is is something like what they say is like an eighty percent departure rate or more from the use mm. of our church in our churches. Mm. So so whatever it is we're doing, it it's failing spectacularly. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important we go back to the scriptures, not just try, well, what else might work and let's let's right. be pragmatic. No, let's go back to the word of God and say, I would, maybe we're missing something and maybe our children are languishing because we're not actually discipling them and raising them in the church mm-hmm. as God has commanded us to do. Yeah, I, would you agree in that sense? Then it it's uh, to to walk in these things. There's there's an element of of faith, uh, like you said in the the word of God, the sufficiency of God's word to tell us how to do this. And as we 
say, okay, that may not be what culture is telling us or what we see modeled, but by faith we we give ourselves to this and trust that God will will bless the means that He's established essentially. Right? Yeah, I I believe today we we know that the inerrancy of Scripture is so very important. You know, this is a cardinal mm-hmm. doctrine. We can't touch the inerrancy of Scripture. You know, we hear sermons on that. We have confessions on that. But then one area that I believe is that we're so weak on is the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. We, we don't actually believe as churches today that the Scriptures are sufficient. Mm-hmm. We think for our worship, we have full license to kind of do what works, or might keep the youth, what, what people like. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't actually go to the Word of God and say, how does God require us to worship? Or what does it look like for us to gather together? What does um, what does ministry in the church look like? Uh, and we, mm-hmm. we just kind of base it off whatever the, the church growth fads are today, um, right. rather rather than go to the Word of God and say, no, the Bible is sufficient for how God's mm-hmm. people ought to worship and gather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amen. yeah, that kind of. Um... And you've already, I think, spoke to it a bit too. Leads me to the the next question I was going to ask you too is um, why why are why do you believe churches today are so drawn to a more segregated model? Um, what is the apparent appeal there um, from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think I think there's a number of reasons why churches would segregate based on age. I think it's a, it's an imitation, obviously, of the education system. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. which is like, and the, and the church is just famous in our age of imitating trends in the world, whether that's a business model, whether that's a marketing model, you know, that we, we, we tend to just adapt these models that we see in the world and bring them into the church. And mm-hmm. so we've, we've imitated the educational model. And that's because so much of what we do as a church overlaps with education, discipleship, education, they, these things go together. And so we say, well, that seems to be an effective model. So let's let's do that. Uh, let's make sure that our our, our kids have um, knowledge conveyed to them at their at their level. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that reason. I think there's also a reason why we we do it in churches is because children can be a real distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I know sometimes. You know, parents, uh, they, they want to be able to come and worship and, and listen to the message without the distraction of their own children or other people's children. They, they, they want to break. And so a lot of churches today say, hey, we're very family friendly. We have lots of programs for all your kids. And mm-hmm. so you come to church and you spend no time with your family. That's mm-hmm. not really, in my, my understanding, a family friendly church that's going to divide up the family. Right. And I think yeah. why children are a distraction or parents want to break is, in, in one sense, we have a low view of children today, and, and that's ubiquitous across our society. But on, on the other hand, I think it's because children today are so misbehaved hmm. that they're a distraction in the worship because they aren't properly disciplined or discipled. Mm-hmm. And so if children aren't behaved, then no, they won't be able to sit in a worship service. Um, mm-hmm. And so... If, if fathers aren't taking a lead primarily in this and helping their children, um, then it's as easier to segregate and to put the children somewhere else where they can get babysat. And, and of course, we'll, we won't use those terms of babysitting or their distraction. We'll say, it actually, mm-hmm. it's better for them. 
But I don't think it is better for them at all. I think children come and need to see mom and dad worship. They need to be part of the church, not not put off somewhere in the basement or another room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like a lot of times, um, even as a parent with young children, and I remember my wife with little ones especially, you know, sometimes she's in and out of the, the service trying to take them back or help them sit. And I've been usually um, fairly involved in this service. So at times she, uh, you know, would feel quite alone in that. And some weeks she'd feel like, well, I don't even know, you know, why I came to church today. And, and yet um, what you begin to see is as you remain just consistent in that, not only do the children, you know, continue to learn, but there actually are, um, I think being blessed more than we realize they're, they're even just even learning the songs They're they're picking up things that are, said in the service they're they're still uh watching and, and learning through observation and uh as you persevere through those seasons of um chaos that <laughs> can feel like that the there does come this gradual but um, really beautiful just growth in it and and fruit uh i would say is in our experience as well yeah takes a commitment um so then, uh, kind of, I guess, similar to that, the dangers of, of segregated worship, um, you kind of alluded to that already, too, kind of the, the removing of the responsibility from the parents and discipling their children. Um, other um, thoughts on that? Sure, yeah. I, I think if we adopt a a segregational model for church ministry it has a number of impacts that we might not realize because we, we actually haven't seen the blessings of it. You know, so we've had folks come to our church, you know, who are older, elderly, and they've never been to a church before where the children are in the worship and, you know, our, our, our Sunday school, our time of instruction before is also all ages. And so for them to come here, so, that, so a couple in their seventies to hear a 10-year-old answer a question in Sunday school or to, to hear the children raise their voices in song. Mm-hmm. It moves their hearts so much. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 they can't imagine worship without children. Mm-hmm. How, how can we exclude these children uh, mm-hmm. from, from the worship of the church? And so I think there's uh, we're, we're cutting off our older folks from the mm-hmm. ministry of the children. And the encouragement that children provide, the blessing that they provide. And we're also uh, cutting off our children from the church, which also harms the children. Mm-hmm. So I think what we see is um, when when you remove the children from worship and, and try to put them in something that we, we think is more age appropriate from them, or we're actually saying, you know, it's not quite appropriate that you come and worship with the rest of the people here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to worship God in a different way, but then they they just get trained to um, think about church and ministry as about them, you know. So, so right. teaching, music, the the entertainment, this will all be about you, and that will happen when they're young. It happens when they're in youth group, when they're older, and then now we see churches today that are completely ta- uh, tailored to, you know, whatever generational. Mm-hmm. Um, demographic that they're targeting you know so oh, it's a millennial church i'll have lots of entertainment and this is the music they'll sing and so 
the, these children have never graduated to church. They've always had mm. church adapted to them. And, and it's affecting even how we do church. And so most churches in our city, you know, are targeting a specific demographic because that's how churches evolve. The segregation leads to that, that targeted approach. Mm-hmm. And so you have churches, children who are excluded from the worship, they don't, they don't intermingle. You have older men and older women who are, who are unable to, to minister to those who are younger. You're not making those connections. You're not sharing the pews. You're not having that time of fellowship before and after the service. And so really you're, you're excluding and make it harder for the men and the women of the congregation to actually minister as God has called them to those who are younger and to be an example and model to them, a friend to them. Uh, I think it's also dangerous to segregate their children because I think, I think kids need to see mom and dad worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they need to know that um, mom and dad value coming uh, they'll, they'll, they'll risk being distracted to care for the children, but they're going to do what they can to prepare these children to come and worship. And that these children, what they need to see is see mom and dad worshiping God. I think that's a powerful mm-hmm. discipleship tool that we mm-hmm. cut ourselves off from when we send our children away from the worship or the, the teaching ministry of the church. And I think parents just don't see if they if their if their children are not part of the worship, they they don't realize then um, what their kids are learning or not learning, how distracted they are. Um, they they're won't see if there is discipline issues that need to take place, and so they don't they don't understand their responsibility as a parent to disciple their children. And I think when, when parents sit with their children in the worship service, they realize, okay, we got some work to do. And a lot, a lot of families then move and begin to practice family worship where they're gathering together each day. Now they're, they're disciplining and discipling their kids so that on Sundays, um, their kids are much better able to take part in the worship. So when we, when we remove the children from the worship, then, then all those benefits and blessings um, mm-hmm. are, are removed from us, and then the, the danger of this targeted demographic church uh, continues to rear its ugly head, and I don't think children, I think the stats show that ch- children aren't staying in the church. Um, we're, we're not mm-hmm. discipling them. Really. Yeah. No, that's really good. I, I guess the, um, I was thinking then if someone, say you had a, a uh, young family coming, and they they were on board with the the vision of you know family integrated model worshiping together. Um, but maybe it's even a, a single mom or something, or um, you know dad's uh, um, missing and she's struggling and discouraged. And of course, when children are being rowdy, it can you can be you know it, it's an, it can be embarrassing in a sense. Um, any practical kind of counsel or encouragement that you would give to, to someone catching a glimpse of the vision, but struggling to, to really see that uh, <laughs> played out in the worship Sunday morning. Yeah. So we have, you know, we don't have a nursery, but we do have at the back of our church, there's a bit of a foyer where, where parents can take little ones who are a bit squirmy or a bit excited or might be mm-hmm. a bit sad and take them back there. That way they still hear the messaging. We actually have a small room back there that's 
we call the training room. It's got a pew in there. They can still see into the worship. And that can just help, help parents try to sit with and practice with, with children who are having a hard time um, taking, in, taking in the entire service. If it's someone like a single mom, you know, she comes, she has a handful of kids. Um, what, what we want to encourage among our church is here's, here's someone who needs some help and assistance. And so rather mm-hmm. than developing a Sunday school program or whatever, children's church, why, why don't someone be strategic and just sit beside them and say, Hey, I can, mm-hmm. I can sit, I can sit beside your children if you like, like uh, we have, we have a number of young women in the church who are, who are growing and who want to want to be mothers and looking to get married. The, mm-hmm. These are, are wonderful young girls to come and sit beside a single mom or someone who's struggling mm-hmm. and just have a child on their lap or beside them and, and just help, help them uh, through that time of worship. So I think we can minister to each other in these ways. I know like in a similar yeah. case with your wife, you know, when I first started here, we had five kids and our oldest was four. So my wife was very busy and she mm-hmm. realized after that first Sunday, she's going to be a single mom in the worship service mm-hmm. because at that time I was the song leader, you know, the, the, yeah. the preacher, everything. I was always at the front the entire time and my wife was there yeah. with the children the entire time. But we had, we had another lady at church who came and, um, became almost like a surrogate mother for the children during the service. She would to come and she'd sit on the other end of the aisle, other end of the row, kind of keep the children from exiting the row away from my wife and uh, mm-hmm. play goaltender at that row. My wife would be on the other end. And, and <laughs> yeah. she would just, what my wife would do, and then she would, she would understand, okay, what are our values? When the, mm-hmm. when the kids were turning around backwards, it's like, no, your mom says, no, you got to face the front. You know, that's what, one mm-hmm. of the rules that we have. And so she began to complement and, and reinforce the standards that my wife was trying to cultivate in the children. And that was a big help. And so she mm-hmm. did that for a number of years until another family came in and they had a number of kids and they were really struggling. And so she said, I'm going to go sit with them now. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Go sit with them. Yeah. <laughs> our kids are getting older. And so if you have a few ladies in the church mm-hmm. who are willing to, to do that as a ministry, so rather than, than going down to the basement, and caring for kids, but let's let's help them sit through mm-hmm. worship service. It's a blessing to some of these other mothers. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I uh, and when I talked to you earlier about that, and you just mentioning that, uh, such a, a blessing just to see how um, the the body ministering to one another, and and then of course too, you know, you have um, like you say, sing, maybe a single young women, and at times singles maybe you feel like I'm not sure, you know, where I fit into this. It's if it's family integrated. I don't have a family then you know you maybe you can feel a bit on the outside sometimes but really when you start to look for opportunities to minister to young children um it can be a, a tremendous blessing to the family but then also to the individual that is building into these children's lives and and encouraging them in the lord or i know my wife um we have our our oldest is 14 our youngest is 4 and the uh the middle boys we have five uh, all together so my 12 year old, uh, especially he can likes to tease his brothers, you know, and poke and jab. And, and so sometimes my wife will have him sit by one of the older gentlemen in the, in the church, in the congregation. And, uh, it changes the dynamics a lot with the boys. If you just split them up a bit and of course they'll behave themselves sitting by, uh, one of the older men. Right. And, and it's, uh, it always brings a smile to my face and I, 
look and, and see him you know, sitting there and he's he's been trying to behave himself and pay attention but yeah it's such a, a neat way to minister to one another absolutely i think we need to do more of that and encourage uh more of that so yeah you have to ask yourself what what would they have done in israel what would they have done in the right. early church what would they have done on the hillside listening to jesus you know they yeah people would have helped out other people and that's, that's how yeah. we minister and encourage other and then you know, with this with this single lady who was helping helping our kids, and Mother's Day rolled around, we we gave her a gift because it was uh, she'd been such a blessing to us. Mm, that's awesome. So she could be a mother to the church, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's great, great counsel. And um, what are um, some of the most common, you know, arguments or pushbacks that you hear? from people uh, when it comes to a family-integrated church? Most of the arguments against family integration are practical. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. That's not going to work. What about this? What about that? And so it, it really becomes practical arguments. But the question is, well, then how do we, how do we handle those practical issues? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how to, and that's and I mentioned some of the ways that we try to help help families in our church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really try to be proactive and encourage family worship and encourage parents taking that responsibility of discipleship. And so hopefully that helps on the practical side of things. Um, mm-hmm. One of, one of the arguments that I hear too is is that children can't understand. You know, so why why would you have a children? They're just going to be right. bored. They won't understand, and um, we should we should give them something that's more appropriate for them. But you know, after after ten years here, my own children, you know, the things that the children learn through the preaching of the word is really mm-hmm. quite astounding. Mm-hmm. And, and I liken it to when you when you have a baby. Um, you don't, as mom and dad, just say "goo goo gaga" all the time and just talk to them and gurgle right. and baby. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk. You talk to them like you would talk to any other person, even mm-hmm. though they have no grasp of the English language. You continue mm-hmm. to speak to them using English, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, the nouns begin to stick, and then verbs and adjectives and the rest of the language all all comes. But hmm. that model, I think, is so helpful when you think about children in the worship, that they're mm-hmm. hearing things that they don't fully understand, but they, they will grow up into maturity much faster mm-hmm. than if we were to subject them to baby talk until they were, you know, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they, they mature actually faster in the church when they hear the preaching. You might think they're not understanding, but, but they're actually preaching right. out quite a lot. Sure. And yeah. uh, and one one day they'll just stun you with their theological knowledge and like, where did you learn that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but they, they absorbed it through the worship, mm-hmm. hearing, yeah. hearing the sermon. Yeah. Um, the the last the last practical one that I can think of as an objection is probably the most difficult is is mothers who are having a hard time mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. You know that comment that you said about my wife, like, why did I come today? Like that's that is a thought. That is a, a common. Mm-hmm. Um, concern, especially for for our wives as, as pastors, where they're, they're handling mm-hmm. so much and we're 
able to be with them. But really, this is it's an important job for the fathers to come alongside and to help. Mm-hmm. Um, if there could be accommodations where you worship in your building, um, and then if there's training and discipleship and encouragement happening in the home to prepare our kids for worship. So we always want to, we always post the songs that we're going to sing on a Sunday and ahead of time so families can mm-hmm. teach your children any songs that are unfamiliar, uh, scripture passage. You know, we really want our, our children to come to church and not think that they're just an appendage, but that they're included. And so if mm-hmm. they know the song, in my preaching, I'll even, you know, if I define a theological term or a concept, I'll use the answer in our children's catechism. And you can see mm-hmm. all the kids, like, I, I know that, I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do things like that to encourage the kids. And then you say, okay, well, practically, it's not that hard. We, we, can, man- we can manage this. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I... Yeah. Uh, we also um, use the catechism. Um, I got the one from Founders of Catechism for Boys and Girls, and we um, we, we usually ask a few questions Sunday mornings. So we'll have kids come up uh, to the front, and then they'll review a few questions with uh, myself or, or one of the uh, elders or men. And um, but like you say, it's always a blessing if you in the sermon um, bring up a question or make some application, and to see them kind of look up and. <laughs> shout out or put up a hand or something uh, that's awesome so I, yeah I really appreciate your reminder too as as pastors in those teaching to then um, be making application to the children to the youth um, to you know all of the various uh, age groups uh, that are that are represented there it's important to remind ourselves of that too you know it's very important and uh, you know I can't stress that enough that that we as teachers and leaders in the church if we're welcoming children into the church, which is what we ought to do, then we also need to make sure that as we teach, mm-hmm. that we're all, our teaching is also including them in mm-hmm. the teaching. Yeah. Right. Uh, we we don't want to bring our teaching down to the lowest common denominator. So okay, it's a three-year-old, let's talk at a three-year-old level. Um, but we do want to have aspects of our worship and teaching mm-hmm. where we're engaging those who are younger. So it's not yeah. uncommon for me to say, children, you know, just give me your attention for a second. I'll talk to you or, Mm-hmm. You know, illustrations are also powerful things where children pay attention because mm-hmm. I've seen it before where people are teaching an all ages class and, and there's no, there's no realization that children are in the congregation and they lose the kids and then, and the parents get discouraged and then people say, well, you know, as much as I may agree on paper with family integrated worship, this is actually quite bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, so we as pastors need to do a good job of that uh, in, in our teaching and preaching. I, I know what we, we do as a church here too is I'll, you know, on Friday or Saturday, I'll take my sermon that I'm going to preach that Sunday and I'll make a sermon handout that has questions that kind of trace through the sermon as I preach it, either multiple choice or true and false or fill in the blank. And then on the back, there's uh, a little place for children to draw something from the sermon Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what was their favorite song they sang today? Do you have any questions or any words you didn't understand? And, and they, mm-hmm. they use that as, as an aid. So that happens every single Sunday. And I find adults also appreciate the handout, even though I, I'm designing it for the younger ones. Uh, others appreciate it as well. So I think yeah. you just have to think. 
okay, we're not in an age-segregated environment. I'm not, I'm not just speaking to pastors. I'm not speaking to men. I'm speaking to men, women, and children, a variety of ages, variety of backgrounds. And so how do I, in my preparation, and then in my delivery, how am I addressing the children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good reminder, definitely. All right. Well, um, I know I don't want to keep you here all afternoon. I really appreciate your time, Tim. I thought maybe as um, to kind of uh, wrap things up here, just kind of for a few minutes, thinking about the nitty gritty, uh, just in the, the day-to-day life of the church, um, you know, seeking to, to be consistent uh, with, with what we believe the scripture has called us to. Um, so just thinking about many of the common areas we would typically see uh, a segregated ministry happening, I uh, thought maybe you could just describe a little bit of of what ministry looks like um, to or or even for um, the various groups we tend to to think about. So, um, because I think you know another uh, often objection would maybe as well if we're worshiping together, then then how are the men or women or or youth, uh, children, the seniors, singles, how are they going to be discipled and and um, matured in the Lord? So. Um, in regards to just starting with uh, the men, um, what would kind of a average week look like, or are there are there um, ministries specific to the men, or how is their you know growth and maturing look like in the, the life of the church? Generally, yeah, it's great, great question. You know, I think we've we've all adopted. A, a model of ministry in our mind that we believe is traditional. You know, so even as you mentioned, men's ministries, women's ministries, and you go down the mm-hmm. list of all the different kinds of ministries. We, we just we just think that is the standard. Uh, we, we can't right. think of church outside of that that model. It's, it's almost yeah. like we can't think of the work week outside of a 40, 40 hour work week with a two day weekend. Right. Know, knowing that the forty hour work week, two day weekend is a product of. Uh, uh, the industrial revolution before that we didn't have that. Um, mm-hmm. so, so some of these things just become ubiquitous mm-hmm. across culture and across church culture. And I think we just need to go back and think about, you know, even what is ministry, mm-hmm. you know? So if I said, you know, um, Aaron, what are you, what are you doing for pastoral ministry? And if you say, you say pastoral ministry, you're, you're thinking of the ministry of the pastor. You're thinking of preaching and teaching, discipleship. You're thinking of what the pastor does. That's pastoral mm-hmm. ministry. You wouldn't think pastoral ministry is ministries to the pastor. You know, but we take we take the term ministry and we we use it for men's ministry, women's ministry, and we say, well, this is ministry to the men, ministry to the women, mm-hmm. and that almost, it almost turns turns the scriptures on its head because mm. in Ephesians four we have Christ gifting his church with apostles, prophets evangelist shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So mm. the saints are, are to be doing the work of ministry and then there's an equipping aspect of it. Right. So I think so often we think of men's ministries, women's ministries, children's ministries. We're using that term to really mean equipping, equipping the men mm-hmm. to be ministers. Uh, that, that's, that's a language we should be using and that's right. what we should be yeah. thinking about. Rather yeah. than let's let's serve the men, let's serve the women, let's serve the kids. Yeah, that's, that's what we've turned inward. Yeah, that's what we've yeah. turned inward. Rather than okay, what are what are men called to do? Hmm. Okay, let, let's let's yeah. let's list out what what the men in our congregation should be doing. 
and then say, okay, is there some way in which we as a church need to be equipping them? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think sometimes um, less ends up being more because men are, you know, involved in their Bible studies or small groups or their men's breakfast on Saturdays. And, and they're in all of these different, we call them ministries, but mm-hmm. it's, it's these different classroom environments where we're equipping them, but we're not actually sending them out to do the work of a Christian man. We're actually mm-hmm. taking them away from their time with their family or uh, their time at work or whatever in order to, to constantly be equipping them. They're, it's a, the classroom Christianity where we're always learning but never doing. Mm. And so I think when we think about the different groups in our church, we say, what does God require of the fathers, of the mothers, of the children? And then how do we equip them? And what we'll find is that most of that equipping is going to be common to all groups. There's very, very rarely that, oh, we need, we need the men to work on humility, but the women don't need that. So, no. Right. Humility, <laughs> love, like these are that we all need, regardless of your age, regardless of your role. So, so most of the equipping of the church is going to be an all ages, all audience kind of equipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we do that on Wednesday night prayer meetings, Bible study then, Sunday mornings, we have the Sunday school, which is all, again, all ages, variety of programs, variety of classes happening, mm-hmm. and then our main worship service. So every, everyone is being equipped here. I, I do believe there are times to equip the men in particular. Um, mm. And so we did this not too long ago where we went through Bodie Bacham's book, Family Shepherds. And we took four mm. weeknights over four weeks. And I taught through that, that book, but it wasn't, wasn't going to be a permanent men's group where we just chat about the same things that, or, or learning the same things that everyone ought to be learning. But that was particular to their roles as fathers and as husbands. And so there's a time of a short season, four weeks of equipping, mm-hmm. and then go do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Yeah. Instead of like a indefinite. So. Yes. So I think yeah. every one of our, every one of our equipping sessions or whatever it is should be direct. There's a need. Our women need to be equipped here. So maybe, maybe it's hospitality. Um, mm-hmm. maybe it has to do with even the roles of men and women in terms of leadership and submission. Well, mm-hmm. well let's, let's over the next few months, let's tackle that. Let's, let's equip our people and then go do that. Uh, rather than having a, a permanent ministry of, of this equipping where we kind of mm-hmm. turn inward and do ministry to ourselves. So think about you know, what, what's the ministry of the men of the church? What's the ministry of the women of the church? And um, it can be hard for us to think because we always think that when women's ministries and men's ministries, ministries are always Bible studies and groups and those kind of gatherings, social gatherings. But uh, like women's ministries, for instance, in the church ought to look like, um, well, m- m- most of the women's ministries in the church is going to be their ministries in the home. Right? Mm-hmm. You go to Titus 2, they ought to love their husbands. Working at home, kind, miss their own husbands. You know, that's, that's all ministry. Our mm-hmm. older women are to be reverent in their behavior. They're to teach the younger women to love their husbands and children. That's, that's ministry. Um, and then in terms of serving in the church, you know, if, if you think about women and how they serve in the church, well, 
God has equipped women in a special way um, with emotions and with tenderness and compassion that this makes them suitable and fitted to to beautify the place of worship, to care for the, the sick, to, to notice the lonely, the downcast, and minister to them, provide meals for those who, who need encouragement, to come alongside in conversation and in prayer, mm-hmm. um, to make their own home a refuge, to practice hospitality as a means of gathering together believers and even evangelization. Um, so mm-hmm. there's many different ministries in which women should be engaging in and then we as a church should be thinking, okay, how do we how do we equip them and then free them to go do this and encourage them mm-hmm. to do this? So it's a bit of a long answer to your question, but that's how I no, that's good. So how uh, ministry in the church? Yeah, that's very important. And like you say, you may have times of focused um, equipping for a specific, um, you know, say demographic within the church. But then it's yes, you know, it's. But then encouraged to go, okay, now go and, and, and walk in this. And um, how would you, as far as the, um, you know, in, in Titus 2 there, the instruction for the older women to instruct the younger, um, how would that play it out in, in the life of the church there? Right. Well, it it, it predominantly play out within the home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, it says older women, there's, this is this is this is the, the charge of the the mature women in the congregation to come alongside those who are younger mm-hmm. and to encourage them and to help them and equip them. Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's relational in its context. So I, I don't see that as a, you know you need a, a woman in your church who's going to be teaching a class for women. Now this is this is the older women of the church. All of them have mm-hmm. a duty and responsibility to be mindful. And seeking to encourage those who are younger in their in their task. Um, so a lot of that is going to happen uh, during the week. It, it might happen um, in in each other's homes. It might be conversations after uh, a gathering on on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's not going to be. You know, we we have a tendency to, of wanting to structure everything, make make a program right. for it, and right. uh, make a class for it. And it becomes very impersonal, and we we want more of this relational model, where you're equipping both younger and older to be looking for ways to serve and to serve to serve others, mm-hmm. rather than waiting for a class or a program to kind of take that responsibility from them. Yeah. Yeah, and I really uh, appreciate too you shared um, when we talked a uh, previous time how you know even for you as an elder as a pastor seeking to model hospitality and, and the other elders as well. And that, how that becomes um, quite contagious uh, within the the church body. And so you have this sort of, um, you're being intentional in that, but then it also creates this sort of organic time of encouraging and equipping one another. And um, I, I certainly have, yeah, I just I like that's something I need to, to do better and, and how much we depend on our wives in that work which is also a requirement of an elder that they be hospitable, right? And, and like you say, this is an area where we lean heavily on the skills and uh, gifting of our wives to have a presentable home and to, you know, not poison our guests with our cooking <laughs> or something, yeah. right? So. No, it is important. You know, that, that requirement yeah. for elders to be hospitable depends mm-hmm. in large measure upon their wife. 
mm-hmm. and the requirements listed there for elders are to be the examples and the model for every person in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not just the elders ought to be hospitable, but every single member of the church ought to be hospitable. Hospitality mm-hmm. ought to be a staple of our church. It ought mm-hmm. to be part of our church culture. You know, when you look in Scripture and look up hospitality. This is this is a this is a Christian virtue that we've neglected because we've we've institutionalized the church so much, mm-hmm. um, and that's why we. It, it's not it's not a law. It's not a requirement, but it's it's my recommendation. My top of hospitality is is pick pick one night of the week, or or, or every two weeks, or pick pick a regular time. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our elders aim for for one one night a week where you're going to have people in your home. Added add into your grocery budget, um, your your children. If if you miss a week, they're going to say, "Hey, mom, dad, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we having somebody over?" They're going to get used to it. Well, that's that's our cleaning mm-hmm. day. We're going to clean up and make this house presentable for our guests. And mm-hmm. and so you just you just get in that routine and pattern, and then you find that people are doing that too. And then there's a lot less need for an institutional ministry of like, are we going to have a class right. on this? Right. Because we don't we don't need a class on family worship because you've you've seen it. You've right. been to our house yeah. and you, you've, you've seen it and now you're doing it. And mm-hmm. and now you've invited somebody else over because now you're doing hospitality and you're encouraging this other new couple. And they realize, okay, this church, everyone practices hospitality, so i got to do that too. Mm-hmm. And so ministry is more of what we're doing as a service to one another and ultimately mm-hmm. to the Lord. Yeah. And we actually equip one another while we're doing ministry. So mm-hmm. rather than say, okay, let's let's go in a classroom for the next ten weeks and learn about evangelism. It's like say, no, let let's go do, let's go evangelize. <laughs> let's let's yeah. go door to door. Let's go down to street corner. You come along with me and you watch what I do. And mm-hmm. and after a few hours you're gonna be doing it too. That 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 to me is is way better. It's more of a Jesus model. Rather right. than let's all go to a classroom and learn all these lectures and then then maybe you won't and maybe you will do anything mm-hmm. with us when we're done. Um so an emphasis on more of the relationships, more on the doing of ministry rather than yeah. constantly learning about ministry. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I think that the, you know, because a lot of times like, oh, what about my my youth, you know, that that uh, they need other youth to connect with, they need to be taught. And I know we found too, just maybe it's, a weeknight having a hot dog roast or something and inevitably the the young people will you know they'll they'll get together and maybe they'll play ball for a bit and they'll have those times of of fun and recreation you know within the 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 family context um we don't have to necessarily organize a a weekly night where we're going to get together and you know um drink cans of coca-cola through a sock or something ridiculous in order to to disciple our youth right it's better to See that happening in the context of families coming together, and they build those friendships, and they, they like you say, see the parents, see the modeling. It's far more. Yeah, when you gather on the Lord's Day, when you gather on the Lord's Day, you're going to see young people congregate together. That's that's easy. Mm-hmm. That's we, yeah. we we have the easy time relating to people who are like us. But then the benefit you have when you don't set up walls uh, mm-hmm. between who fellowships with who. Is that you think you think about some of the young men in our in in your church or your own, your own sons or my own sons and mm-hmm. they they need to see masculinity modeled more, more than having other friends their age that they can go right. have fun with. Right. We want we want them to grow up to maturity. So so they need to interact with men 
who are true biblical and godly men. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that there's a number of men in our congregation that, uh, you know, we spend time with as families and, you know, we see them every Sunday. And so, so my children are not just looking to dad, but they're also looking to these other men mm-hmm. as models of what it means to be manhood. And, and they, they want to be men rather than remain boys. Yeah. And I think that is yeah. so, such an encouraging part of the ministry. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. I, yeah, just always so encouraged to um, talk with you about this and just kind of hear how how you have seen this played out over you know a decade or more and and the, the benefits of it. Um, and and probably a lot of times we're just too nearsighted. We want uh, you know immediate results, but when we are consistent over the course of five, ten, fifteen years, and then you get to see children grow up in this and and transition naturally from you know the adolescent years to adulthood and, and such that they're uh, yeah it's a tremendous thing to witness so. yeah no I, and we've we've seen that so your children don't have to graduate from children's church to big church you know they've always yeah. been part of the church they've had friends right. of a variety of ages and yeah. so we've seen some of the blessings like that here and I'll, I'll just reiterate too it doesn't mean that we never do anything that's but specifically age appropriate right you know during our yeah. reformation celebration I'm downstairs with the kids and generally have a, a program for them. You know, that's mm-hmm. a highlight every year for for the kids of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do things like that. Um, we've done other, you know, teaching for youth, but we want the parents there too. But, but I'm going to mm-hmm. be talking directly to the youth. They're going to have some fun together. Um, we do the same thing for the men. You know, actually mm-hmm. we're doing a, a Sunday school series here in the, in the coming weeks about uh, purity before marriage and it's getting in some details that well we don't necessarily want all of our young ones participating in that mm-hmm. one so we're going to have another uh, program for our Sunday school hour down there for, for the kids um, mm-hmm. just, just for those yeah. just for those few weeks because we're, we're we're being targeted in our approach rather mm-hmm. than a permanent segregation so, yeah. so I'm not opposed That's to okay. having a targeted right. focus group yeah. but I am opposed to a permanent wall of separation between groups in our church yeah um that's helpful yeah i I think that's that's what's that's what's key we are we are a church we're one body in christ and our Mm -hmm. our commonality is christ Mm -hmm. and uh, it's not our age yeah yeah that's helpful because we can get you know legalistic as well and in that we refuse to ever um like you say target a specific need or issue and and um, yeah, to have that flexibility when needed, right? Is that's a good good point there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, maybe just before I, I'll let you go, Tim. Any um, resources that you've found especially helpful? Maybe uh, whether it's a, a website or ministry that that uh, you've kind of been blessed by in thinking through these things. Yeah, I've been helped a lot by Vody Bauckham and some of his teaching and books on this mm-hmm. area. So Family Driven mm-hmm. Faith and Family Shepherds are helpful, uh, especially with the emphasis on, on men taking that responsibility in in the church. So those are helpful. I've also appreciated uh, Pastor Scott Brown and his ministry, Church and Family Life. Mm-hmm. They, they have resources on the same, uh, the same subject that can be, that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. So those are some some ministries that I would refer uh, folks to if they want to read more, um, 
get more understanding on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I encourage people to read through your website too. I think you presented it very well. Uh, as I've read through it, some it's been very helpful. Just uh, Fairview Fairview Baptist dot ca Fairview Baptist Church. FairviewBaptistChurch.ca. Yeah, right. There's a few resources there too. So. Yeah, I appreciate your time today, Tim, and uh, just pray the Lord bless you and and continue to give you steadfastness in these things. So thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciated our our chat today, and may God bless you and your church there. Thank you.